America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. What a great day it is. It is, of course, a future national holiday, or at least tomorrow will be. That is uh, President Trump's 77th birthday. No kidding. Uh, tonight, he's going back to his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey. He's in Miami now. He just stood before a judge and pleaded not guilty. Uh, they didn't require a mugshot of President Trump during uh, his arraignment today. They felt he was well enough known so that people could recognize him. I think that's reasonable. He also had some kind of high-tech fin- fingerprinting, uh, so they didn't need to get his fingers dirty. He, uh, uh, There have been some crowds gathered out in front of the courthouse, uh, some colorful people, including one rapping Uncle Sam. Uh, we will hear from him. He was riding a hoverboard. It's actually a pretty good-looking Uncle Sam. The... Um, uh, President's birthday party tonight will also come together with a statement to the country about his latest indictments, the 37-count uh, indictment from Special Prosecutor Jack Smith. Uh, there also is an indication from some of the spokespeople for President Trump uh, that they are going to be attempting to allege a prosecutorial misconduct on the part of Jack Smith. And, uh, in fact, uh, as a special birthday gift, uh, President Trump let it fly earlier today on the way over to the uh, courthouse in Miami. President Trump uh, was particularly critical of uh, Jack Smith, the career prosecutor, who before this had been prosecuting international war crimes in The Hague and was generally considered to be nonpartisan. Uh, politically, he is not registered as a Republican or a Democrat. And uh, he, uh, however, received the following tweet of the day. It's actually a truth from Truth Social, but a truth of the day from Donald J. Trump. Turn the page now to the Internet. I mean, wow, what a great, smart tweet. Change his password so he no longer has access to his Twitter feed. Did you send the tweet? I did not send that tweet. My system was hacked. I was pranked. Donald Trump hasn't tweeted at us once, and I'm starting to get worried about him. So we have a new tweet. All right. Can I do the honors? Stand by. Tweet alert. Okay, the uh, truth today from uh, Donald J. Trump is this is the thug, thug with a capital T, Uh, This is the thug overturned consistently and unanimously in big cases that Biden and his corrupt, corrupt in all capitals, injustice department stuck on me. He's a radical right lunatic. A radical right lunatic? Didn't uh, President Trump mean radical left? Uh, or does he believe that uh, Jack Smith is a member of the radical right? And uh, is Jack Smith associated with people like uh, David Duke or uh, Stuart Rhodes of Oath Keepers? 
uh, or the people with Proud Boys? I don't think so. In any event, he's a radical right lunatic, says President Trump, and Trump hater, as are all his friends and family. I, mean, I guess just to be a member of the Smith family, you have to be a Trump hater uh, to be a friend of the Smith. Of course, you have to be a Trump hater. He said, as are all his friends of family who probably planted, and they have planted in quotes, information in the boxes given to them. They taint everything that they touch, including our country, which is rapidly going to hell. Now, I'm not suggesting this, but I'm just wondering. He, he has uh, basically accused Jack Smith of uh, planting false evidence of uh, behaving in the ultimate way of prosecutorial misconduct. And uh, by the way, he also, following that, he uh, tweeted, uh, or pardon me, truthed out another line, on my way to courthouse, witch hunt, three exclamation points, MAGA. Uh, Okay, it's problematic. President Trump is already... Uh, stood trial and was found liable of defamation uh, on the E.G. Carroll case. And it took the jury almost no time at all to find him liable of defamation and ended up costing him $5 million. Now, Jack Smith won't do that because he's a career prosecutor. But isn't it arguable, at least, that suggesting that he planted evidence that he committed fraud, uh, isn't it possible that that is defamatory? That, first of all, Smith can prove that it's not true. Second of all, uh, it shows a reckless disregard for the truth and uh, actual malice, one could say, uh, from President Trump. I I mean, really? that the boxes, these were all planted by Jack Smith and his friends and family. Uh, President Trump also, another uh, uh, message on on Truth Social, again, all in caps, uh, one of the saddest days in the history of our country. And that's the day before your birthday. We are a nation in decline, uh, three exclamation points. Is that going to be the theme of the Trump campaign going forward? Uh, it may be an effective theme for him to win the Republican nomination, but I think it's a real question if you are running against Joe Biden with the premise that this is a nation in decline. There are all kinds of bad signs. I mean, signs about bombing attacks at Target stores. Why? Uh, and and then there there is more. Of course, there is a an influencer who is a topless trans woman, uh, meaning that the um, there have been artificial additions or cosmetic additions to her torso, which were put on display on the White House lawn. And uh, this is a controversy that uh, uh, President uh, Biden does not need. He is sort of out of the picture. He had to cancel a meeting today with the leader of NATO uh, because he has root canal work. Now, 
uh, has he had root canal work before? Yes, years ago. Uh, it's a dental procedure for people who don't know. It can be very painful. And uh, uh, does it indicate that uh, he is in the midst of failing health? Well, no, but he's 80. And uh, President Trump is going to be 77 tomorrow. In 1988, way back then, and that was the year that uh, George W. Bush beat Michael Dukakis for the presidency. And uh, last time there was a Republican landslide uh, a victory, or last time really there was a, a commanding Republican popular vote margin. Uh, President Bush, when he won his popular vote margin, it was about three points. Uh, this, his father uh, won by about eight points. In any event... In 1988, Trump celebrated his 42nd birthday at one of his casinos, featuring a laser show complete with a 15-foot spaceship and a performance by magicians and dancers to a version of the Michael Jackson song, Bad, reworked in song's honor. Uh, what song should they play tonight? 1-800-955-1776. We will get to that and to more. Also, a special guest uh, who takes a look at new scientific evidence that says religion is good for your health. I mean, really good for your health. We'll get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. And uh, yes, former President Trump has been arrested at the federal courthouse in Miami and uh, has been arraigned on charges related to mishandling highly classified documents uh, that he kept in his uh, club and residence at uh, Mar-a-Lago for more than a year. Uh, deputy marshals have booked the former president, and they've taken electronic copies of his fingerprints during the proceedings today. Uh, they were not expected to take a mugshot of President Trump, given his recognizability. Certainly, he's one of the most recognizable people in the world. Uh, Trump's aide and co-defendant, uh, Walt Nauda, has been arrested, fingerprinted, and processed. And uh, the, the entire process here is melancholy. I mean, I, I, the fact is that a number of people were treating it like a carnival. Uh, it, it says in a report for the Miami Herald, around 40 supporters, 40, not 4,000, not 440, uh, Around 40 supporters of former President Trump greeted him as he arrived at the Trump National Doral Hotel one day before his expected arraignment in Miami Federal Court. That's already taken place. Trump's team uh, will follow a now familiar path as it attempts to deal with the political ramifications of his indictment for mishandling classified documents. Play the victim. Blame the deep state. 
claim selective prosecution, punish any Republicans who stray for disloyalty, uh, dominate the news, and ply small donors for cash, lots and lots and lots of cash. More than $4 million has already been raised since the announcement of uh, the, uh, the uh, indictments and the unsealing of the indictments. Uh, his allies see the indictment as a chance to end the primary race before it's even begun in the minds of Republican voters by framing 2024 as an active battle with President Biden. Uh, MAGA Incorporated, the super PAC supporting Trump's presidential bid, has ceased focusing its ads on Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and has instead turned towards the indictment. The idea that um, basically everybody who wants consideration as a um, loyal Republican, as a potential Republican candidate for president or vice president for that matter, everyone has to show support for Trump. That obviously inspired Vivek Ramaswamy, the 37-year-old uh, crusader against wokeness. He's a very wealthy man. He's uh, made a lot of money in the high-tech business. He apparently has committed $100 million to his own campaign for president. And he made a demand that the other GOP presidential candidates join him in his pledge to pardon Donald Trump. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy came down to the courthouse in Miami, stood out in front of it, and said this. This is clip two. And I'm happy to announce this is my commitment on January 20th, 2025, if I'm elected the next U.S. president, to pardon Donald J. Trump for these offenses in this federal case. And I have challenged, I have demanded that every other candidate in this race either sign this commitment to pardon on January 20th, 2025, or else to explain why they are not. Well, the obvious explanation why they are not is the evidence hasn't been fully presented at a trial yet. And President Trump himself has said he, when he's asked whether he would pardon himself, which, by the way, he would legally be entitled to do, most people believe. Uh, when he was asked whether he would ever pardon himself, uh, he said, I, I, I won't need a pardon because I'm an innocent man and I'll be found innocent. What's, what's fascinating to me here is you would think that given the fact that he's a candidate for president, he's the leading Republican candidate for president right now, that President Trump would want to have his name cleared, have this trial over with as soon as possible, and uh, and move on to talk about other things. Because, honest to goodness, is it going to really persuade a lot of people to hear that, well, he was very careful uh, sealing the top secret papers in boxes and put those boxes in just the right place when he put them in the washroom or he put them on stage in the other gold room at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, is this really what we should be focused on as we're picking the next leader of the free world? Uh, there was a Trump spokesperson, a, a lawyer, though she's not one of the lawyers in this case, Alina Haba, uh, spoke outside the 
courthouse, and she had this to say. This is clip 20. In recent years, we have seen the rise of politically motivated prosecutors who don't care for impartiality, who don't care for due process or equal protection of laws. They have been quietly but aggressively cultivating a two-tiered system of justice where selective treatment is the norm. From the Russia hoax to the attorney generals to the corrupt DAs in Georgia and New York, and now this. The people in charge of this country do not love America. They hate Donald Trump. Uh, again, uh, the, the idea that they do not love America and uh, they hate Donald Trump to the two things go together. The, uh, it's an awful thing to say about people who in many cases have, uh, devoted their entire legal careers to working uh, for either the federal government or for state governments. If if you're an attorney and you've done well in law school and you've gone to a good law school, et cetera, et cetera, to take a position as a prosecutor of any kind is doesn't make a lot of financial sense. You can do a lot, lot better if you're trying to make money, if that's your interest. Most of the people, and this is true of liberals, it's true of people on the far right, it's true of people who are active in the Federalist Society. It's true of everybody. People who actually sign up for the Justice Department or for a local attorney general's office. One of our good friends who was just over at our house for a Sabbath meal uh, is a prosecutor and somebody who basically could have obviously followed another path that might be more remunerative. And the whole idea of suggesting that people who devote their lives to law enforcement, either as police officers, uh, as investigators, uh, or as attorneys, this is a shame. It's why when people are talking about defunding the Justice Department or the FBI, well, we will get to that. We'll also get to the question, is religion good for your health? Coming up on The Medved Show. the Michael Medved show uh, while the world continues to ponder what next in the case down in uh, Miami right now it's going to be moved over to Palm Beach County which is nearby but a different part of Florida as this case proceeds uh, there's another case uh, a question that has actually attracted the attention of scientists for generations and the question is is religion good for your health. Uh, we're not here talking just about the idea of the effect, effectiveness of prayer, uh, but we're talking about an entire lifestyle that is involved with religious observance and going to church or synagogue regularly. A terrific piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, by David DeSteno, who is a professor of psychology at Northeastern University, he is uh, an author and the host of a PRX podcast, How God Works, the science behind spirituality, studying the science of emotion, morality, and religion. Uh, Professor DeSteno, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, 
you talk about some of the brand new studies in the United States and in Great Britain and around the world about the health impact of religious practice. What's different about these studies that makes them more worthy of our attention? Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, there's been a long-standing set of research findings that are kind of linking being engaged in, in religious practices with health. But for a long time, it's, it's kind of been difficult to tease apart what's going on. You know, when you show that people who, uh, who attend Mass or church regularly are, are less depressed uh, than others, well, you know, you could argue maybe it's because people who are too depressed can't get out of bed in the morning to come to church. Or maybe just going to church is just about socialization. It's just about being together in any club would do. But what we're finding uh, in research by, uh, by a lot of people now is that when you take those factors into consideration, there is still a link. That is, um, saying you believe in God doesn't do much, but if you look at people who are regularly engaged in spiritual practices from prayer and meditation to coming together weekly to worship, and you control for their pre-existing health status and for their socialization, what you're finding is that there still is a big effect, uh, that religion has a benefit beyond just socialization or beyond just the fact that people who are religious smoke less uh, or assemble more. And I think that's opening up a big a big avenue for we scientists to, to look at if, if, if we're humble enough to do so, because what I always tell people is it would be strange if thousands of years of, of thought that's meant to help people meet life's challenges didn't actually have something to offer. And I think we're seeing the data there now that suggests it does. And uh, again, you mentioned this, this idea of a social uh, connection. Obviously, if you go to church every week, you're part of a community. And that's, uh, we, we mm -hmm. know... I know the Surgeon General of the United States, Dr. Uh, Vivek Murthy, has uh, just come out with uh, warnings about loneliness, uh, going mm -hmm. to church regularly, being engaged in Bible study, uh, being part of that substantial portion of Americans who are active participants in religion. That's going to counteract any uh, draw toward loneliness or isolation. But there's there's also, and this is fascinating in your piece, the physiological impact of uh, prayer and meditation. Can you uh, sure. give us some background on that? Yeah, well, you know, what I like to say is, is, is socialization is good. But when you look at coming together for worship services, it is, or meditation, what you're seeing is uh, kind of socialization plus. So, for example, there's work that shows when people engage in meditation or contemplative prayer, their breathing rate slows. When their breathing rate slows, so does their heart rate, and it leads to increased cardiovascular health. When we come together and say prayers in unison, we know what that does is the simple act of doing things together in time, singing, praying, chanting. There's work that it shows it makes people feel closer. It makes them feel more empathy to one another. When we give prayers of gratitude, feelings of gratitude make us more willing to reach out and help one another. There's scientific evidence showing that. And so what you're seeing, you know, we all like to talk about life hacks in the world. 
life hacks are like playing single notes. What these practices are are kind of like symphonies. They package things that affect our physiology, our mental states, our emotions together to make us feel more connected with one another and to actually uh, enhance our, our physiological responding. And so I think there's a lot to learn from them. You know, we've kind of done this with meditation a little bit, right? We know meditation can reduce people's stress. But there's such a wisdom in these practices to be unpacked about how they enhance our health and well-being. And what what's fascinating here is to look at uh, at your material that you presented in the Wall Street Journal. The differences aren't subtle; they aren't small. We're we're oh. talking about extra years of life expectancy, uh, and particularly. Uh, the avoidance of certain kinds of uh, diseases or health crises. What what is particularly effectively combated by religious practice? Yeah, a lot of this work in the, in, this, in these new studies is work done by Harvard Van, Harvard's uh, epidemiologist Howard Vanderbilt, and what he shows by following thousands of people over time as they start or stop going to service and controlling for their pre-existing health. If you see about it. 33% reduction over a five or 10 year period in, in all costs, in all total mortality, any dying from any cause. You see 25% uh, reductions in cardiovascular disease. You see a five fold reduction in suicide or death of, uh, death of despair, similar reductions in cancer, as well as increases in happiness, life satisfaction, and well being. And people always ask me, you know, where does this come from? And I can say these practices are here to heal your body and mind. As a scientist, I can't tell you whether they are divinely inspired by a loving God, he, she, or it, who cares about their creatures, or whether it's people figuring stuff out. But the evidence is clear, and that's kind of what, what is starting me down this path to try and bring scientists and religious thinkers together in a respectful way to understand why and how these practices improve our well-being. It's so obvious and and so striking some of the numbers and some of the research. Uh, are there reasons, ethical reasons, professional reasons that most doctors w would avoid saying to patients, "Well, you know, you could feel a lot better. Uh, you could have a lot better health impact if you <laughs> started going to religious services regularly." Well, I think ethically, uh, you know, we can't tell people to start and, and stop going to services or whether they should believe in God or not. And that's what's made these studies kind of hard to do, because in a lot of regular scientific studies, you randomly assign people to get a placebo or to take a medication, and you see if something helps, right? But here we can't tell people to start or stop going to churches, so you have to follow them carefully over time. Um, I think it's the case that it's not a medication that can be given out, religion, so to speak, but for those who are open to it, uh, I think physicians can actually show people the data and, and make their own, let them make their own decision. Uh, that is uh, uh, from Dr. Uh, David DeSteno of Northeastern University in Massachusetts. Uh, Dr. DeSteno, thank you for your piece. It is uh, linked up at our website at michaelmedved.com. It is certainly worth thinking about and digging more deeply into. Uh, you get depressed by all of the news. Uh, this is some news about health being in your control. 
More coming up. Michael Medved. I'm listening to everything you say. Michael Medved show. Uh, it's a big day. It's the, the day before Donald J. Trump's uh, birthday, his 77th birthday. It'll be celebrated tonight and celebrated by no doubt a blistering speech about his current uh, indictment. He pleaded not guilty this morning and uh, this afternoon. It was 3 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, there were all sorts of reactions to uh, President Trump. One of the most memorable reactions was Uncle Sam. And Uncle Sam appeared riding a hoverboard, which is I, I was pretty good in, in that uh, elaborate Uncle Sam costume with that uh, little goatee. And he looked like the real Uncle Sam that we've come to know. And he appeared outside the courthouse and he was singing a mashup of Rocket Man, I don't know why, and Folsom Prison Blues. And that uh, I can understand because President Trump was in the courthouse and he is facing a, uh, if he is convicted, uh, he could actually be sentenced to some prison time. Probably not for the 400 years that he would be eligible for if he was uh, guilty on all 37 counts and they gave him the maximum and he was supposed to be serving uh, consecutively, not concurrently, in any event. Uh, here's what Uncle Sam sounded like with his display of talent during the uh, Trump arraignment. Listen. It's going to be a long, long time until they see that life is not some man they think he is at all. Oh, no, no, no. He's a puppet man. Puppet man learning how to use his earphone. I hear Frank Chester coming. They're trolling around again. And I ain't been on Facebook since. I don't know when I'm stuck in Facebook prison. Then time keeps dragging on. I think it's going to be a long, long time. Okay, I think that uh, when he's saying he's Puppet Man and Facebook Prison, it may be that this Uncle Jam is not a uh, loyal Trump supporter. Somebody else who at least is accused of not being loyal and enthusiastic enough for President Trump is the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez. He's a Republican. Uh, he's apparently thinking of jumping into the presidential race. It's as if they don't have enough Floridians already running with uh, Trump and DeSantis. But uh, as Mayor uh, Francis Suarez arrived, he had been very careful about trying to arrange all the security so that there wouldn't be any repeats of January 6th. There wouldn't be any violence at all. So far, everything has been calm and uh, reasonable, even though Uncle Sam <laughs> may have needed some development of his uh, singing uh, talents. Uh, here is the arrival of Mayor Francis Suarez of Miami and his greeting by some very loyal Trump supporters who didn't like the mayor. Listen. Keep Steve Bannon, keep Steve Bannon. Keep Steve Bannon. Keep Steve Bannon. Keep Steve Bannon. 
big swamp monster. We got a swamp monster, folks. We got a big swamp monster. The swamp's getting rounded up, baby. The time's coming, baby. The swamp's getting taken down. And you're getting taken down, brother. You got a big swamp monster, big old swamp monster. We're going to take it down. Uh, a, a different perspective and uh, a perspective actually that hearing it, I realized that I personally missed it, uh, which is uh, the perspective of former House Speaker Paul Ryan and a former vice presidential candidate, if uh, you recall. And uh, uh Former House Speaker Paul Ryan uh, was speaking on P CBS News about uh, Trump's federal indictment. This is clip 13A. This one's national security. This one's different. I used to have these same documents myself um, as Speaker of the House. So I think this goes beyond just um, some petty thing. Now. Uh, my guess is Trump will play this politically pretty well and make this weaponization argument and make this about Joe Biden's Justice Department. And that's going to have some political saliency. So I don't think Marco's wrong in saying that there's some political sting here. Mm -hmm. But I can't help but think the weight and the baggage of all of this. And this one's national security. This one, I think we want a nominee who's not weighed down with so much baggage in order to win this election. And it's really clear a lot of our suburban voters will not vote for Donald Trump. I can tell you how it works in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine Donald Trump winning Wisconsin. He lost it in 20. And do you think he's done things since 2020 election, like January 6th, that make those swing voters want to vote for him? But what? Okay, it's a reasonable question, isn't it? He, uh, he went on, uh, Speaker Ryan, who, God willing, maybe someday he'll be a candidate himself again. Uh, but he went on to talk about other great candidates for the GOP. Uh, this is 13B. How do you think he so still has the support that he has, though? Because he has a very good core of support, and he's got a good... It's as simple as that. He's got a great core of support, and, and in, in a primary, that is what you build off of. And so it does matter. But my point is, I think the electability argument is going to become more salient with, with this indictment and whatever happens in the future all the exhaustion of all the Trump baggage is going to make it easier now, I think, to make the argument to his core supporters, he's not electable, he's going to cost us the Senate again, he's going to cost us more House seats, he'll cost us the White House, and we want to win, and we do want to win. Yeah, so in this so case... So go look at what are these other great conservatives that are yeah. in the race who don't have all this baggage. All right. And yeah, there are a lot of great conservatives among the 11, including some of the people that aren't so well known. Someone who is well-known, uh, the one-time running mate of Speaker Ryan, that would be U.S. Senator uh, Mitt Romney of Utah. He uh, was feeling angry today. Can't say I blame him. This is 55. I'm angry. Um, the country is going to go through tumult as a result of one thing. President Trump didn't turn over military documents when he was asked to do so. Why did he just turn the documents in? Had he done so, he certainly would not have been indicted. I'm sure his lawyers told him that. What was the purpose? And uh, this is a very crucial question. Uh, in other words, for all of those people who are uh, ferociously defending President Trump, 
the question would be, why even provoke this particular struggle? What What's the issue he was fighting for here? Why is it important, an important thing for the President of the United States to be retaining papers, not for his library, because there are no plans right now for a Trump library, but for himself? Why is that an important thing that uh, Americans should fight for and that Republicans in particular uh, need to fight for? There are others. Uh, there was a Chris Christie town hall meeting on CNN last night. Uh, Ted Cruz has spoken out. Uh, Marco Rubio has spoken out on behalf of uh, President Trump. Steve Scalise. How about Mike Pompeo? Well, that's fascinating position. We will get to all of that. We'll also be speaking to a uh, scholar who has written a very provocative and disturbing piece uh, under the heading in Atlantic, uh, America is headed toward collapse. And uh, he's the, also the author of a book called End Times, Elites, Counter-Elites, and the Path of Political Disintegration. It's already an Amazon bestseller. Uh, we'll be talking to Peter Turchin coming up. He talks not only about America being headed for collapse, but the way that history can actually uh, show us uh, an escape route. And speaking of escape routes, there was a fortunate incident involving a pride celebration at the White House. And the Pride celebration went in an unwholesome direction when a trans woman uh, known as a major influencer celebrated a Pride Month by uh, uh, pulling down her dress and displaying his, her breasts. Uh, and uh, the White House has reacted and uh, they weren't particularly happy about it. We will get to that and much more on a, a fateful day and uh, the day before the Trump birthday in this greatest nation on God's green earth.